Welcome to Phone Messages, episode 186. Call me. I'm always here. My name is Paul Mason Foch. This week, I play message number seven from Jason Weitzer. The message is 25 seconds long and comes from the spring or summer of 1990. Let's listen. Hello, Paul. This is Jason. Call us from San Francisco. Back in town now. Got your message and your letter. It's very interesting stuff to work on. I hope Steinmetz was kind and gentle to you following your, I guess it was your Wednesday. I guess I'll call later when you're probably home or you could call me. I'm always here. Anyway, have a nice time, Paul. First, the Steinmetz in Jason's message is George Steinmetz, who is my master's thesis advisor. So Jason was likely wondering about feedback by Steinmetz on a first draft of my thesis. But what intrigues me about this message is that Jason concludes by saying, you can call me, I'm always here, which is very similar to you can reach me anytime, the phrase used by James last week. What was happening in 1990 that inspired two guys to conclude with such similar sentiments said in such a dramatic fashion? The first thing that comes to mind is the 1980 Blondie hit, Call Me which was also the theme song to the film American Gigolo, starring Richard Gere. The idea of being available any time certainly has sexual connotations. And the 80s saw the rise of late-night commercials where women with puffy blonde hair promised to reveal intimate secrets via telephone. Typically, these ads asked viewers to call a 1-900 number, where they would be charged $2 for the first minute and $0.99 cents for each additional minute. The 900 area code was first developed in the 1970s as a way to manage large call volumes. It was used in 1977 by CBS Radio during an interview with Jimmy Carter. Listeners were able to call in at no charge to ask the president questions. AT&T introduced a fee-based service in 1980 when ABC's Nightline asked viewers to call different 900 numbers based on who they believed won a presidential debate between Carter and Reagan. These so-called dial-it numbers also allowed organizations to provide pre-recorded information or live content. For example, in 1982, NASA gave people the opportunity to call in and listen to conversations between astronauts and mission control. When someone called a 900 number at this time, AT&T collected 50 cents for the first minute and 35 cents for each additional minute. 
One poll conducted by Nightline earned the company more than $280,000. In 1987, AT&T created a way for entrepreneurs who provided information via 900 numbers to charge for this content, such as horoscope readings, sports interviews, frightening stories, or sex talk. The ads for these services came not just via television, but also in the mail. In 1987, a controversy erupted when families across the country were mailed an envelope stamped, You must be 18 years of age or older to open. Inside, a pink card declared, Hello, my name is Monique. I love sex. Do you? Call me anytime followed by a 976 number, which was a local version of a 900 line. The phone sex business did not originate with the 1-900 service. Previously, callers simply had to provide a credit card. According to a 1996 article by Marcus Boone in the journal Women and Performance, the first ad for a phone sex line appeared in the back pages of the Village Voice from 1981. But the oldest ad I could find came from a November 1980 issue of The Advocate. The headline states, Bad Connections in Los Angeles. And next to a photo of a man in a leather vest and chaps, it reads, Hey dude, are you hot and horny and ready to get it on when you want it? Dial 213-556-0055. One of the hot men from Bad Connections in a recorded message will ask you to leave your MasterCard or Visa card number. We'll check out your plastic and one of our studs will ring you back and work out your fantasy. I found evidence of an even earlier incarnation of amorous phone service in a 1977 article from the St. Louis Dispatch titled, For Spicy Rather Than Sweet Talk, Just Call Candy. It investigates a company called National Telesales that sold subscriptions to a so-called adult phone club. According to the article, for $20, the phone number of Candy and her friends would be delivered COD. If you called during certain hours, live girls would read dirty stories. The rest of the time, one heard three-minute taped stories. You could call any time, but the line was usually busy. Apparently, advertisements for this service could be found in adult magazines like Hustler, but it is not clear from the article how long the service had been around. Returning to 1-900 numbers, while ads for fantasy phone lines continued into the 1990s, a couple things happened that led to their decline. 
First, parents complained about surprise charges to their phone bills after their children called chat lines. One 15-year-old boy in Cincinnati ran up charges of over $40,000 in two months. In 1989, Congress passed a law requiring companies to get written permission from customers before allowing so-called dial-a-porn numbers to go through. After being challenged in court, the FCC was finally able to enforce this law beginning in 1992. A year later, the FTC issued a rule requiring 900 number services to immediately warn people about the cost of a call and give them three seconds to hang up before being charged. A second factor in the decline of adult chat lines was the rise of the Internet. This introduced not just online chats, but eventually video interactions as well. Still, phone sex businesses have not disappeared. Alt-weeklies like the Chicago Reader provide helpful lists on their websites for the best phone sex numbers with real free trials. Keep in mind, not everyone has access to high-quality internet and using public library computers for your sex chats might bring disparaging looks. To see what reactions my website receives on a library computer, type in pfoch.com. That's P-F-O-T-S-C-H dot com. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next week.